everybody. Welcome to The Full Cup. I'm Libby Switzer, here with my dad, Craig Berthold. Say hey, dad. Hey, what's going on? <laughs> Seppin, sup? Sup. Uh, today we are talking about a few things. The steering wheel, which is one of my favorite things, and from friends I know who have uh, talked to me about my dad, they love the steering wheel as well. Um, I've actually seen it in... Uh, group setting I think you've done and it's pretty powerful um anyway lots of other stuff uh I don't really have anything else to say dad go for it just jump okay. on in there all right well uh basically the style of therapy that I do is uh followed after a guy by the name of Milton Erickson who's kind of considered the father of of hypnosis uh, of clinical hypnosis in this nation uh and he did he, he talked in metaphors so the work that you're going to be hearing from me uh, in in all of these podcasts, there's going to be a whole bunch of different metaphors. And uh, this is a metaphor I use and have been using for 40, 45 years now that uh, will give me some information and hopefully give you some information about the work that I do. I can very clearly say to you that uh, my work is based upon the principle of agency or emotional independence. And the, the byproduct of emotional independence is our capacity to love skyrockets. Um, and that's a very direct way of saying it. But when we couch the message in a metaphor, oftentimes the metaphor stays with us longer. And to interpret the metaphor, we have to deep, think about a little bit more, which embeds it deeper into the unconscious. Uh, Jay Haley, a student of Milton Erickson, wrote years ago, The Power Tactics of Jesus Christ. When they went to Jesus and they said, should we do it this way or should we do it this way? Did Jesus say, do it this way? Or did he say, let me tell you a little story about that. And it left us our agency. So from my perspective, uh, this is the metaphor that uh, I believe came uh, years ago, 40, 44, 45 years ago, in a session that I was working with somebody, and, and I've used it ever since. Uh, I call it the steering wheel of life. It goes something like this. Uh, what I'd like you to do, Libby, for just a minute, I'd like you to picture a steering wheel, like a steering wheel out of your car, okay? Okay. Got it. What, what mm -hmm. color is it? Black. Okay, so is mine. Now we're going to pretend that this black steering wheel is the steering wheel of your life, and this is the steering wheel you're going to use to take you through, to steer you through the rest of your life. And now what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to put anybody and everybody that has ever put a hand on that steering wheel. Put your mom's hands on it, your dad's hands on it, put your religion's hands on it, put God's hands on it, put the bishop's hands on it, uh, put old history, <laughs> you wish you could forget, uh, put... Uh, old boyfriends that may have grabbed onto your steering wheel and messed with your life. Put your husband's hands on. Put all your kids' hands on. Put economic hands on. Put stresses, all kinds of things. Anything and everything on things a daily basis. Like it can be temptation things, or temptations. Okay. It can be. It doesn't have to be a person. Yeah, you're right. It can be an economic issue. How are we going to pay for the car that we wrecked? It can be something as simple as as uh, my baby's crying, and that can grab onto the steering wheel of life. So what I'd like you to do now is I'd like you to imagine all those people's hands on the steering wheel. Are there very many? Yeah, you can't see the steering wheel. Yeah. Are your hands on it? No. Well, it's your life. Get your hands on it. Squeeze them in there. Okay. okay now, holding the steering wheel with your left hand, I'd like you to start plucking everybody else's hands off. Take your mom's, your dad's. I want you to take God's hands off. I want you to take anybody and everybody's, if they're loved ones... You can put them in the trunk, <laughs> okay? Or if you don't like putting them in the trunk, put them in the back seat, but lock the seat belt and take the key and make sure you have one of those soundproof mirrors that goes up and down that you're in charge of so they can ride with you, but you're now steering. 
nobody else's hands off. Old history, throw that out the window, okay? Get everybody's hands off the steering wheel and grab hold of the steering wheel of your life at the 10 and 2 o'clock position. You got it? Mm-hmm, yes. How's that feel now? Feels really good. Yeah. I mean, it comes with some other feelings. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people get really nervous. <laughs> like, uh, am I what sure am I, gonna... I should do this? Yeah. I, uh... am I gonna, if, if I'm steering my own life, when I was your age, even younger, and even now occasionally, I feel like if I take everybody's hands off the steering wheel, if I take my mom and dad's hands off the steering wheel, will they still love me? Because I've always let them kind of steer, and that's mm -hmm. how I prove my love. Or they might get angry with me. If I tell my husband I'm not going to do that, he might be disappointed or might be angry with me. Can I really get free from him? Well, that's what we're going to be talking about today. Getting the hands off the steering wheel is the key to good mental health. Most of the people I treat are for mainly depression and anxiety. And what I find with all of these people, the number one reason I'm seeing them is there's too many hands on the steering wheel. Anxiety the expectations that they put on themselves, the expectations that others put on them are greater than the expectations that God even has for them. Mm -hmm. But because the expectations are so great, those hands on the steering wheel are just choking them. Or old history, how many people do I see who are captive, hands on the steering wheel, from what we talked about last time? Old anchors, old lenses. Basically, the principle is the principle of captivity versus freedom. I show people how to get free. And we'll talk about how freedom by itself can become selfish. Yes. Where love by Ooh. itself so glad you leads know that. to exploitation. So we need both of them where you can be free and at the same time still love. We're not going to talk about in that depth in that today, but we will be getting to yeah. that. I call it the formula. We'll talk about the formula. So now let's go back to the steering wheel. Now, I'd like you to put all the hands back on the steering mm. wheel now. <laughs> okay. How's that feel? Heavy. So do you like it better with the hands off or the hands on? I like it better with the hands off, but I feel like I'm going to offend people and it makes me emotional. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Especially when you're a mother and you're going to take your kids' hands off the steering wheel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can. they can ride with you. And you can put your hands all over their steering wheel, <laughs> yes. but you're not going to let them put theirs on yours. We're going to talk about that here in just a minute more. Now, when we start steering our own lives and we take the hands off, there were times in my life, as I started to tell you, I glued people's hands on the steering wheel. Yeah. Because see, if I glued mom, your mom's hands mm -hmm. on the steering wheel, and then I went out and got drunk. I could say, well, it's your fault. If you would have been nicer to me, if you would have fixed my dinner, if you wouldn't have been so mean to me, I wouldn't have gotten went out and got drunk. So look, I glue her hands on the steering wheel. Well, then I get an erect. Do I have to take the heat? No, I get to blame her. Yeah. Or what happens if I get rescued from the heat? I don't have to take that. Right. But if I'm finally steering my own life and I take all of the hands off the steering wheel and I start steering my own life, and then I get in a wreck. Who has to take all the heat for the wreck now, Libby? You do. And here comes the miracle. If I take 100% of the heat for the wreck and the mess up that I've made of my life, who gets 100% of the wisdom from that mess up? You do. But if I blame somebody else, do I get the heat? No. no. Therefore, I don't get the wisdom. But mm -hmm. if I steer my own life. There's a wonderful Mormon scripture 
This is in Doctrine and Covenants, D&C 9330. It goes like this. All truth is independent in that sphere in which God has placed it to act for itself, as all intelligence also. Otherwise, there is no existence. Let me say it again. Yeah. All truth is independent in that sphere in which God has placed it to act for itself, as all intelligence also. Explain Otherwise, that. there's no existence. Are you an intelligence? Yes. Then if you're not independent in the sphere in which you've been placed, you don't flip and exist. You're just living everybody else's life. You're living your parents' life. You're living your children's life. You're not living your own life. But when you finally become independent in the sphere in which you've been placed, like truth, as all intelligence, you therefore exist. Is this making sense? Yes. So my practice is based upon that idea that when you finally get free and you screw up your life, who's got to take all the heat? I do. I blamed all kinds of people for my depression, for my anxiety. My mother had died. I blamed God. I blamed all kinds of people. And therefore, I never had to. I was just walking around miserable all the time. Yeah. But when I finally realized it's up to me to decide what I'm going to do with that, steer my own life, decide what I'm going to think and feel, that process is what we're talking about with this whole, uh, what do we call it? Podcast. Podcast is all about, is learning how to gain that kind of independence. Now, a lot of people will say this to me. They say, okay, Craig, I like the idea of stirring my own life. It feels good, a little frightening because I haven't done it before or this is a new and, and I don't want to offend anybody. And we're going to talk about that in a sec. Uh, but, but there's one set of hands I want to put right on the top. And I said, who's that? And they said, my supreme being, my Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ, Muhammad, uh, uh, who, somebody, somebody else that I believe in. You may disagree with this, so listen carefully. When I came back to the gospel, after spending 22 years drinking and raising hell, I pleaded with the Lord, will you please steer? Please, I'm lost. I was miserable. My life was not in a good place. And I pleaded with them to steer. Very clearly, he said, Craig, I put a map in the glove box, son. It's a good map. Read it. It'll help you. Call me. 10, 20 times a day if you need to. I'll listen to you. I'll walk with you. I'll give you directions. Shoot, Craig. I'll introduce you to people along the way. They'll help you. Not only that, I'll ride with you. But I'm not steering it for you. That's what I sent your butt down there to learn to do yourself. You going to be okay with that, Libby? Mm-hmm. This is what this practice is based upon. I'm so okay with that. By the way, let me just say, I feel so good when you're saying these things. <laughs> like, I don't know if it's the keto flu or what, but like, I'm so, I have a lot of emotions right now. And I, it, I want to hear that because I want to be in charge of my life, you know, yeah. and I want God's help. I don't like the pressure of like, am I doing what God would want me to? Mm -hmm. How about I do what I want and I pray that God will help me through it. Well, in the weeks to come, we're going to put God in the chair too, and that'll, that'll blow your okay, mind. Okay, okay. <laughs> is that blasphemy or is that me, him saying to me it's about time? But we'll talk about that. Okay, in okay. Okay, so I, I agree. Thank you. I'm glad glad you hear that. And that's the way I believe. But, but now let's back up for just a minute. Uh, there are basically two reasons. There's a lot more. But there's basically two reasons why it's so difficult to get free. First, we talked about last week. They're called anchors. Okay. Mm -hmm. For instance, I'd like you to just say to me right now, dad, 
I'm not going to let your stuff bug me. Just Dad, so I'm not going to let your stuff bug me. And if I can get that free from you. And if I can get that free from you. I can love you more than I've ever loved you. I can love you more than I've ever loved you. Is that true? Yes. Yes. So you now understand that agency is absolutely necessary to be able to love. If my stuff is bugging you, is it hard for you to love me? Yes. I'm like, I'm out of here. See you That's next right. time. And you want me to stop doing that, and mm -hmm. hopefully I will. But the reality is you can't change me. The principle of agency trumps your ability to change me, but supports your ability to change you. So yes. you can say, quit doing that, quit doing that, quit doing that. Or you can say to yourself, I'm not going to let my dad's stuff mess with me anymore. Yeah. Makes sense? Uh-huh. I'd like you to say it. I'm not going to let my dad's stuff mess with I'm me. I'm not going to let my dad's stuff mess with me anymore. And I can love you now more than ever, Dad. And I can love you more than ever now, Dad. <laughs> so you understand the practice. Yes. But now I'm going to say to you, that's wonderful that you love me. But I know there's things I do that still irritate you. I don't necessarily do it on purpose, but I can still set you off. I'm your dad. I will poke you in the neurological, unconscious, unfinished anchors of your soul. I'll poke you in anchors of confidence. I'll poke you in anchors of father-daughter relationship. I'll poke you in religious anchors. I'll poke you in temperament anchors. I don't do it on purpose, but just by being your dad, I will end up poking you in the unfinished, unconscious anchors of your soul. Do our parents poke us in those anchors, Libby? Yes. And... Our parents created most of them. So you think it would be up to the parents to stop doing it, but the reality, it's up to you to get free from me. Is that correct? Yes, yes, that is. Glad you understand that. Now let's go to marriage. I'm going to tell you that you're drawn to Danny, your husband, not just because he's a hunk and a great guy, but that this is the guy that's going to poke you in every anchor that I missed. And then you're going to have children come along and they're going to poke you in every anchor he misses until you get them fully resolved. And that's when you begin to understand why family is so important. Because if it was just a neighbor person, you'd say, I'm not putting up with this crap for a minute. But because it's your spouse, your children, your loved ones, you stay engaged in sometimes the most difficult ordeal of marriage and family. And that's how you get your anchors resolved as you prepare to go home to father. We're going to talk about that more in the weeks to come. But that is the first and most difficult thing to get free from when we're striving to get the hands off the steering wheel is those loved ones or other people will poke us in unfinished, unconscious anchors of our soul. Mm -hmm. That's the first one. Okay. Now the second. And this has to do with the way we're programmed and all of us are programmed this way. <clears throat> when I was a little boy, let's say four or five years of age, my dad would say, Craig, eat your vegetables, son. Come on. Did he just put his hand on my steering wheel? Did he just control me? Yes. He just told me to eat the vegetables, didn't yes. he? Yes. So he put his hand all over my steering wheel. Mm-hmm. Well, he would then say this with it. Craig, I'm just telling you that because I love you. Don't you tell your kids to stay out of the street? Yes. Why? Because I love them. And you don't want them to get hit, do right. you? Right. Okay. So control... Eat your vegetables, stay out of the street, put your coat on. I'm just telling you that because I love you. Control and love are glued together in the first stage of life. Mm -hmm. I call it stage one and stage two or emancipation. That's what we're going to talk about now. So when my dad said, Craig, eat your vegetables, son. I'm just telling you that because I love you. To prove my love, drop it to me now love and control together to prove my love, what should I do? 
eat your vegetables. And that's what I did. And my mom would come and say, you're such a good boy. You did exactly what we told you to do. And I got rewarded for succumbing. Yes. No one, that's the way we're raised. We raise, there's no way of raising children in another stage. That's the first stage. We prove our love by eating the vegetables. And not only that, if I stay in stage one, I expect you to eat the vegetables I put out for you to prove your love to me. Okay. Well, I got to be 15. And my dad would say, come on, Craig, eat your vegetables. Son, I'm just telling you that because I love you. Libby, I don't want the vegetables. Right. But I want my dad to know that I love him. I tried to get the dog to eat him. Dog wouldn't eat him. I'd tuck under the edge of the plate. He said, what, you, what is that under your plate? Oh, geez. Finally, I'd swirl him around on the plate, choke down a couple of bites, and then say angrily, okay, those stupid vegetables. I hope you're happy, Dad. I, I ate them. Please, leave me alone. But to prove my love, I wanted my dad to know that I loved him, so I succumbed, even angrily. And my father, in his kindness, would say things like, you know, it was very apparent to me, Craig, that you didn't want to eat those vegetables. That was very clear. You did not want to eat them, but you set your feelings aside. You sucked it up and you ate those vegetables. Oh, you're such a good boy. I am so proud of you. And once again, he embedded into my unconscious to prove my love. What should I do? Be obedient or eat the vegetables. Eat the vegetables. Well, I got to be about 19 years of age, living on my own, my own apartment. Actually did it at 18. Paying my way, paying my own way through school, working hard, working full time, going to school, struggling. My dad came to my apartment with a box of vegetables. And he says, come on, Craig, eat these vegetables. These are good for you. I know you're not eating them. You're eating burgers all day long from D's. Come on, have some vegetables. Now I'll ask you, Libby. If I keep eating the vegetables and I don't want to eat the vegetables, how do I start feeling about the vegetables? You hate the vegetables. How do I start feeling about the person giving me the vegetables? You don't like that person. That's right. So we'll use the word resent because it'll fit. Hate can fit too, but I, that's a little okay. strong. I resented the vegetables. How did I feel about the person giving me the vegetables? Resented. And how did I feel about myself for not being able to stand on my own two feet with my father? Really bad about Resentful. yourself. <laughs> it goes in three directions. I resent myself. I resent the vegetables he's given me. And I resent him for giving them to me. So what we do somewhere between 19 and death is we learn to move into the second stage. And we separate love and control. On this hand will be control. This hand is love. I've separated my hands. And I, with a hard swallow, nope. I look at my dad and I say, Dad, I absolutely love you. Please know this, but I am not eating those vegetables unless I choose to. What do you think my dad did? You knew Grandpa. Did he say, oh, look at this. My son's emancipating. Isn't this wonderful? Or did he freak? He probably, yeah, got upset, probably got sad too. Because how had I proven my love for 20, 18 years. Yeah, by eating the vegetables. I'm not eating the vegetables anymore. Do you think he felt a little bit unloved? Yeah. Big time. He cried. I didn't know he was crying. What he did with me is he swore. He dropped the F-bomb. My dad dropping the F-bomb was like an apostle of God <laughs> dropping the F-bomb. Who is this person? 
I'm ashamed to tell you, I know how to say that word. I don't say it anymore. But when he said it, I burst out I, I, to myself. I went, okay, oh man, he's mad. I don't know what, oh, this is funny. Then he said, this isn't my son. Then he said, I'm a failure. My son is not living the life I've told him and taught him to leave, live. Now, you've probably already guessed that vegetables is just a metaphor. Mm -hmm. It can be going to church, going to school, cleaning your room, going to work. We'll talk about it with adults when couples will talk about sex in place of vegetables. We'll get there in a minute. So for 19 years, I had proven my love to my dad by succumbing. Now I'm not succumbing anymore. He got angry. He got sad. It really messed with him. If he thinks it was tough for him, I was the one that was emancipating. It was tough for me too. Mm -hmm. So one day I was at work and my girlfriend came to see me, your mother. Mm -hmm. And she said, your mother came by to see me. And I said, my mother, my mother even knows where you live. She said, yeah, I came upstairs and she was in the kitchen talking to my mother. And she said, can I talk to you out in the car for a minute? And I said, well, sure. So she went out in the car and she said, I said, well, what did you talk to her about? She said, your dad, what about your dad? Your dad hasn't slept in two months. He hasn't slept. Why? Because of you. Because of me. Why? What did I do? What? He says, she said, he's been crying himself to sleep every night for two months. <gasps> I love my dad. Oh my goodness. What should I do? Should I run right over there and eat some vegetables, Libby? No, not just no. <laughs> Hell, Hell no. to the no. <laughs> but can I go reassure him that I love him? Yes. It was really hard. It took my father and I several years before he learned that I still loved him deeply, even though I wasn't going to eat the vegetables today, dad, you know it. I eat more vegetables than you can imagine, but this is in front of every one of those vegetables that goes into my mouth. I choose to. And we're, in the weeks to come, we're going to talk about stage one, stage two, and stage three. Non-emancipated, emancipated, and then consecrated. Anyway, that's coming. Um, back to the vegetable story. So one day I go over to my dad's. It's a couple of years later. If my father is empty cupped, Libby, how important is it for him to get me to eat some vegetables? Well, pretty important. What degree might he go to if he's empty cupped to get me to eat the vegetables? Any degree. Manipulative? Mm -hmm. Controlling? Yes. Feign death? Yes. Go to the hospital? Yes. My dad didn't do that, but I see a lot of parents doing that. You're killing me. I got to go to the hospital. It's because you're not eating the vegetables anymore. And the poor child in roots pain and suffering of depression goes, oh, I better go run out over there and eat some vegetables. Whose job is to fill my dad's cup? His. Can I help him? Yes. Yes. And I can help him, reassure him that I love him. I will plead with any of you who are listening to this, if you're getting ready to emancipate Please know it will be difficult for you, but the people you're emancipating from, it will be very difficult too. So I will please encourage you to let them know in a hundred other ways that you still love them, but you may not be eating the vegetables anymore. Maybe not at all. But if you do, it'll be when you choose to. 
It's a major adjustment. It's called the emancipation process. And it's been my experience. If I have not fully emancipated from my family of origin, I'm not going to know how to emancipate from my spouse, from my children, and most importantly, from my God. But once I've learned to emancipate, I can now love my mom and dad more than ever, not out of guilt, not out of have to, but out of choice. And when, have you ever been loved? Well, I'll give you this example. When the kids say to me, the grandkids, Grandpa, we're going to Lagoon. Would you come with us? We don't have any money. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's one invitation. Uh They need me, which is nice to be needed once in a while. But what if they say, Grandpa, will you come to Lagoon with us? You don't need to bring any money. We already have our passes. We just want you to be there with us. Which one feels better? Yeah, the second. So when you're loving somebody out of have to, that's not the best way to love or be loved. But when you're loving out of, I don't have to do this, I choose to, that's when it's true and it feels solid. And we're going to get into that in the weeks to come. Now, vegetables is a metaphor, as I said. It can be going to church. It can be working. It can be all these things. How many couples go through this? Men have 10 to 20 times the amount of testosterone running through their bodies than women do. 10 to 20 times, Libby, not just a little bit more, but generally their libido is stronger. So the husband says to his wife, they're newly married, he says, hey, dear, let's have some vegetables tonight. And she's in stage one. She goes, and by the way, all relationships start in stage one. To prove your love, you eat the vegetables. I remember when I got married, mom would say, let's go visit my mom tonight. And I'd go, uh, really? And she, oh, come on. I said, ugh. Well, I wanted to know that I love her, so what did I do? You went. Even though I didn't want to. Right. And then after 10 years of eating those vegetables, one day I said, look, uh, I'm not going to go visit your mother tonight. What? What do you mean you don't love me? Oh, no. You've eaten the vegetables for 10 years. What are you doing? I still love you, and I love your mother, but I'm not going to eat the vegetables. Well, we finally decided to. I should drive her car. I'd drive mine. I could leave when I wanted, or sometimes I just wouldn't go. But I tried to reassure her that I still loved her. Now let's go back to the couple. He says to his wife, hey, dear, you want to tango tonight? And she says, well, sure, I love you. Mm-hmm. They tango. The next night, the husband says, hey, great vegetables last night. How about a little more tonight? She says, well, oh, oh, okay, sure. The next night, how about some more vegetables tonight? She's going, geez, we had them the last three nights. Are you sure you want to do this? He says, well, sure, that's great. She says, okay, yeah, she had, okay, we can have the vegetables. How does she feel about vegetables after 10, 15 years of eating those vegetables? She starts to resent them. How does she start feeling about her husband? Resentful. How does she start feeling about herself? Resentful. And she's in my office, mad, wired. Men have to be like this. They're such jerks. I said, well, that's the way they are. But I think maybe the reason you're upset is you've given up your agency. Why don't you go home tonight and say, you touch me, and then I'll break your arm. We'll make a salad next week or when I'm ready, but not right now, because if I keep eating vegetables I don't want to eat, I'll end up resenting you, resenting the vegetables, and resenting myself for not standing on my own two feet. So the vegetables, this growth, this movement from non-emancipated to emancipated is a major key to good mental health. It's very sometimes, sometimes very difficult to resolve and fix, but it's a major component to living happily together. Think how wonderful it is when you can say to your spouse, no, I don't want to go to mom's tonight. I still love you. And and please know that. And your wife goes, okay, I know. I'm going to go up there anyway. You don't have to go. I'm fine. And she knows that even though you're not eating the vegetables, she can trust that you still love her. Mm-hmm. 
that understanding between couples sometimes takes years. But if they've learned to fully emancipate from their family of origin, their mom and dad, where they love them profoundly, knowing that they don't have to eat the vegetables if they don't want to, and trusting that their parents love them, even though they're not eating the vegetables, then they can learn to do this in their marriage. And let's go back to the deer trail. If we've created a deep neural pathway of emancipation, then we can know how to do this with our parents, our spouse, our children, our God. How many people resent their children because they're eating force-fed vegetables that the children put out for them? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Until they learn to say, no, I love you, son. I love you, daughter, but I'm not eating those vegetables unless I choose to. But again, a lot of parents get it mixed up. They think, well, then my kids get to do that with me. No, they don't. It's your house. You get to put your hands all over their steering wheel until one day, somewhere between 18 and we'll say 22, 24, that they look at you and say, Mom, Dad, I love you, but I'm going to move over here. And that's when they get to steer their own life and be free and all of those kinds of things. And if you understand emancipation, you'll be able to teach that to your children through the wire that we're going to be talking about uh, again. Uh, And that's what uh, the vegetable story is all about. Uh, learning to get people's hands off the steering wheel is difficult because of anchors that get triggered and also the way that we're programmed. And the way we're programmed, the deer trail that are in our brain is the vegetable story. Prove your love by succumbing and then learning to emancipate and say, I will still show you in a hundred other ways I'll love you, but I'm not going to succumb to you unless I choose to. And that emancipated mind, that independence of thought, is what brings us health and joy and peace. When we're living lives of captivity, and by the way, whose plan is captivity, Libby? Satan's. And whose plan is it for us to be free and to think for ourselves? Yeah. You now understand what my practice has been based upon for 45 years. Are we living captive, which causes all depression, all anxiety, everything else? Are we living independently in our thinking? Are we afraid to become independent? Are we afraid to take the hands off the steering wheel and start steering our own lives? Oftentimes we are. And sometimes we get started too young and we mess up. And then we think, oh, no, I messed up so bad. I better put my parents' hands on my steering, my Mm -hmm. wife's hands on my steering, because I've messed up so much. And then they come in to see me because they fouled up when they were 25 and they're now 55 and they're still letting their wife or their husband control everything. Because when the one time they tried to steer their own lives, they got in a wreck. So they messed it up. And now they feel like, I can't steer, I can't steer, I'm not capable of doing that, because every time I do, I mess up. And I say, you didn't learn from the mess up that you've got to steer your own life more correctly. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I have a question. Um, So you were talking about how parents, when kids live at home, you put your hands all over their steering wheel, and at the age of like 18 or to 24, it's healthy for the parent to consciously say, okay, I'll step back a little bit. That's a wonderful when they're thing. older. Yeah, that's a and, wonderful thing that parents can do. Yes. And I know you say like when you were talking about how when they live in your home, it's okay. Put your hands all over their steering wheel. Yeah. You're helping guide them. And do you think that has part to do with like the development of a person at that age as well? Like they're Absolutely. not ready yeah. for that more than it's just you live in my house, you live by my rules. One of the other reasons for anxiety is parents... Uh, expect too much from the four-year-old. 
And, and, and so the four-year-old, I have to do this, I have to do that, and it creates anxiety. So then they want my mom's hands on the steering wheel. Oh, no. And then they have to tell me everything I have to do. People go to college and say, how do I get an A? Tell me what I need to, professor. Well, just write your own paper. No, no, no. Tell me what I need. Tell me what I need so I can get an A. They're afraid to do what they want to do on their own because they might get a B or C or something else. And so they have to know exactly what to do. Do this, drop this, idea, and then they're filled with anxiety. So when it comes to this, this idea of the steering wheel, that's the art of parenting. When do you hold on? When do you let go? But the full responsibility of emancipation is not to the parent, it's to the child. When you one day say to me, Dad, I love you, but I'm not letting your stuff mess with me anymore. And because of that, I can love you more than ever. Whether you do that at 18, wonderful. Most, Very few people do it at that age. A lot of people get the emancipation down. Screw you, I'm out of here. I hate your guts. I'll never talk to you again. That's not real emancipation. That's a fight and an anger to break free because when you're truly emancipated, you actually can love the people. Yeah. We emancipated from England 200 and some odd years ago. Who's our greatest ally today? England. We learn to love them and, the, and they love us and we respect them and they respect us. And yet we emancipated from each other. Well, the same thing happens in family. When you're fully emancipated, you can love your children more than ever, and they can love you more than ever because they finally got free from you and all the silly stuff that you do and the anchors in them that you put in them. Yes. Who's responsible for resolving the anchors in me that my mom and dad put into me? Let me... You are. No. Can I blame my mom and dad? Tell you, well, they wouldn't have screwed me up or they did this and they did that. I think they did make some big mistakes. But what we're going to talk about in the weeks coming is how do we resolve those mistakes that my parents made in me, turn them to wisdom, that's how you resolve them, is turn to wisdom, and actually be grateful because it helped me to grow into the man that I've become. Right. We'll talk about that probably okay. next week. All right. Okay. Awesome. Thanks so much Thank uh, you, for joining us today on The Full Cup. Hope you enjoyed all of that great stuff. And uh, see you next week. Bye.